the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Great to be with you this morning from 6 until 9. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone couple of ways to get in touch with me on social media as well. You can tweet at me, follow me on there, DM me, at Sang Center, that's saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. And there's my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro, or log on and search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality. Give me a like there on Facebook. Keep tabs on everything I've got cooking from radio to columns and more. And you can also email me a couple of ways. One is via 710knus.com. Go to the Jimmy Sangenberger show page. Or you can go to my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Log on and go to the contact page. Remember, it's all ease all the time in Sangenberger. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy because there's no A-I or U. Again, all E's all the time. Again, our telephone number 303-696-1971. Lots to do on the program today. We will be joined in studio in the next hour. This is my first time. I've been waiting for a long time. Haven't had him in. I'm so pleased and privileged to welcome in studio none other than John Castillo. Of course, John is the father of Kendrick Castillo, who sacrificed himself to protect his peers almost four full years ago when a shooting took place at the STEM school in Highlands Ranch. Well, later today at 11 in the morning in Denver. Tay Anderson, Denver Public Schools Vice President, Scott Esserman, Secretary of the Board, and Chief of Police Thomas will all be speaking as well as others at an event at Manual High School that is ostensibly about school safety, but being put on in collaboration with gun control group Moms Demand Action, which shows the real intent It's not to bring back school resource officers. It's not to talk about comprehensive safety plans and the kinds of things that are necessary to rein in the tragedy and the insanity that is DPS's non-safety, Denver Public Schools' non-safety system at this point. I mean, it's so disastrous in so many ways. And there are obvious fixes, and they're unwilling to do it, particularly because of Tay Anderson. And so they're going to have this forum at 11, and I thought, you know what, why don't we talk about school safety with somebody who's thought about the genuine aspects of it that are necessary to address it. 
and to provide much greater security in a place like Denver and other school districts across the state of Colorado. So we'll have John Castillo in studio in the 7 o'clock hour. Looking forward to having him join us. Also, in the next segment, returning to the program is none other than Gordon G. Chang, one of my favorite guests going back years to talk China. And and one particularly concerning development regarding China. Yesterday, news broke surprising the U.S. government that China had broken brokered a deal between none other than Iran and Saudi Arabia. That is significant news because they have been distancing themselves for several years. They're going to open reopen formal relations for the first time since 2016. That's the end of the Obama administration. This is a very concerning development for the Middle East and for U.S. policy in the Middle East. But of course, it says a lot about China. It says a lot about China's expansionist policies and what they're trying to do to exert its influence around the, the world, the Chinese Communist Party, and in its, its expansionist approach in becoming a leader on the world stage as viewed by more and more countries around the world. The fecklessness of Biden after Trump did so much with the Abraham Accords and other Middle Eastern policies, the fecklessness of Biden to put us in a situation where Saudi Arabia is now at least ostensibly getting closer anew in its ties with Iran Uh, that ain't a good thing. And especially when China is the one brokering deals like this in the vacuum of real American leadership. We'll talk with Gordon G. Chang about that coming up in the next segment. We'll also check in in the 8 o'clock hour with Tamara Farah, who is with FreedomWorks Parents Know Best. Big event tomorrow on parental rights in education. I'm looking forward to emceeing this event. We'll get some details on that coming up with Tamara in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Our telephone number, 303-696-1971. And, uh, gosh, I, I just, Alexa just had to do it. She had to put me in a frustrated mood right in the morning at 6 a.m., 6.01 to be precise, Texting into the show, happy Saturday, in spite of being daylight saving time weekend, which I did not realize it was, until Alexa sent that text. And then suddenly I'm like, no way. We lose an hour of sleep? Okay, it'll get brighter at different times, but we're going to lose an hour of sleep now. I'm just not ready for that. I've been getting over being ill. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting some sleep and sleeping in tomorrow morning and then you're you're going ahead and you're pushing out the time you know you got to spring ahead fall back spring ahead fall back at least we get nice extra sleep even though it gets darker earlier i don't know the whole thing is as she subsequently texted so stupid 2 a.m tomorrow morning this will happen 
And yes, indeed, it is so stupid. I hope soon enough the feds and Congress and, and the folks down at the legislature will do away with daylight saving time changes and we can just stay in one time zone. Bada boom, bada bing, that is it. And not have to worry about this time change nonsense. Give me a break. But alas, it's the way things are today and we just have to deal with it. I want to begin with something that was just rather wacky to me. And this is the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. I have no idea what the context is of this. I don't know what forum or event she was talking at. But she was speaking about climate change, and and, I'd say speaking, but really it's ranting. I don't know. I'm just kind of mind blown by how she said this. It's a quick clip. Just take a listen to this. It is an existential threat. Do you care about climate change? Do you care about the future for you, for your children? Do you want to know how we can solve it through cool technology? I've got a very snappy Prezi that I'm going to be Snappy Prezi. How can anybody turn that down? So come to my speech. What what was that? I've got a very snappy Prezi that I'm going to be Snappy Prezi. So, by the way, I don't think she knows what that term Prezi actually means in slang. It's not what she thinks it means, or at least what she said in the context there as far as a presentation. But come on, <laughs> it's an existential threat. Come on, I've got a... I've got a very snappy Prezi that I'm going to be Snappy doing. Prezi. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're not a teenager or in your 20s or doing it intentionally to be like funny or ridiculous, don't say that. Just the word of advice. I wouldn't say that as a millennial. I wouldn't say that term. That was a laugh to kick off the morning. That's the energy secretary right there, folks. Oh, my goodness. Now. One important thing I did want to talk about for a few minutes, and we'll probably get to this as well in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll have mostly open lines about a variety of topics. But on Thursday night, I had the opportunity to moderate the very last forum of the seven candidates for Colorado State Republican Party chairman. That included Aaron Wood, Tina Peters, Eric Godland, Dave Williams, Kevin Lundberg, Kevin McCarney, and Casper Stockham. That we didn't have nearly enough time to really get through too much. But it was very interesting. It's up on Caucus Room, too, if you're driving in and you driving up to Loveland because you're part of the Central Committee and you want to hear that debate, you can go to caucusroom.com, get set up there if you don't have an account, and and listen to it on the drive. But I, I really don't know how this will shake up today. It's total jump ball. It's a total jump ball when you got seven candidates like that. And look, I mean, they're all well-spoken. They all have their goals, but I I have to be honest that I'm not 
set up for confidence right now, especially given the tenor of discussion on issues. And, and, and I think that if you don't understand that in Colorado we actually lost big in two elections, then you cannot actually ascertain what needs to be done in order to start making gains. If you're living with your head in the sand, then you're not going to be able to make gains because your eye is way off the ball. We did not lose because of elections. We lost because the Republican brand is in tatters because Donald Trump ain't popular. In 2022, in Colorado, I'm talking in Colorado. I'm not talking nationally in other states and that sort of thing. I'm talking about Colorado specifically, where Trump lost by 14 points. You had the Roe versus Wade decision, didn't help us in Colorado at all. You had several different factors that were in play. None of them were elections. They also happened to be the fact that we've had so many people moving in from other states, from the west, from the east, and left coasts. And if you can't understand that basic precept and move on, look, the average voter, the average voter is not going to discern a difference between you talking about election integrity, the way Republicans have been talking about election integrity, on the one hand, and 2020. It's all going to be the same. They're going to think you're living in the past and detached from reality. And oh, by the way, one of the candidates for state party chair was convicted last week of an obstruction charge and is going on trial later this year for multiple felonies, including identity theft. Likely jail sentence that comes along with the obstruction charge last week, by the way, up to six months and a $750 fine. I mean, if you're going up to the Central Committee, I'm not a voter. I'm probably going to go up for a little bit and observe in media. But if you're going up to the Central Committee, just please be smart about what you're doing there and how you're approaching it. We'll come back to this topic in the 8 o'clock hour. We've got to run to the break for Gordon G. Chang in the next segment, talk a little bit about China and its expansionist policies. But the Colorado GOP is at a crossroads. And... I'm worried that the party will go in the wrong direction, but maybe that's what needs to happen for a couple of years before the GOP gets set back on the right course, even if it will be a setback, a net setback for years to come. We shall see. Going to take a break here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. When we come back, Gordon G. Chang will join us. Of course, noted China expert and author. Looking forward to checking in with him on this very important topic. Keep it right here. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. I love when that music is as stirring and powerhouse as it is because Leroy Dauphin Bob behind the glass 
cranks it up on the studio volume, not in his headphones, on the studio volume because it's just that damn good bumper music. Of course, it is the best damn bumper music known to man. In fact, the other night when I moderated the Foothills Republican Club's forum, the last one with the state party chairman candidates, one of the board members came up to me and said, I just love your music. You have the best music. And I said, yes, I do. Best bumper music known to man almost 10 years running. And ain't that the truth? It is very encouraging to wake up in the morning, isn't it, and listen to some great music on the radio. Good to be with you. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. So the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate have now both signed, or approved rather, a bill to go to Biden's desk that would declassify everything we got on the origins of COVID, and Karine Jean-Pierre couldn't acknowledge where or whether or not the president would sign that bill. I want to emphasize there's high interest in knowing if he will sign the bill to declassify the origins of COVID. Do you think you'll get an answer by the end of the day? I, we're we're going to look at the bill. I can't give a timeline. That's something that our team here has to take a look uh, at the bill that has been, that has, as you know, has been uh, gone through Congress. And just take a look at it and we'll get back to you all. I don't have a timeline on it. A non-answer there. When we surely know now as the FBI has said they've concluded via the director, Christopher Ray, that this comes from a lab leak at a Wuhan, China, and yet they won't acknowledge it. Meanwhile, China has brokered a deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which I'm old enough to remember just a few years ago when they were bitter enemies and the Trump administration was effectively using that adversarial relationship or non-relationship to bring about more peace in the Middle East. And now that's being undone, and China is brokering deals. What's going on here? Let's talk about it all with Gordon G. Chang, who is the author of a number of great books, including The Great China Tech War and Losing South Korea. He is a columnist, an author, he is also one of the go-to experts on China. His Twitter is at Gordon G. Chang, and he joins me now. Good morning, Gordon. How are you? Nope. Gordon, are you there? Apologies, folks. Looks like we cannot hear Gordon Chang. And... uh Leroy just stepped down to go get our in-studio guest. Bear with me right there, Gordon, for just a moment here. We will have you on. Let me just go to a clip here of Dr. Anthony Fauci to also help us set a little bit of the stage as we move forward here with our guest, Gordon G. Chang, of Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, talking about, you know what, uh, gain-of-function research which appears to have been how the Wuhan virus was generated there in Wuhan um, through research and leaked out of lab. It depends on what your definition of gain of function is. Again, if you're looking at something where you deliberately make 
a pathogen more transmissible or more uh, pathogenic, namely causing more severe disease, there's very few reasons to do that. But if you do, it should be done under very strict guideline conditions. So that's the thing that if anything comes out of all of this back and forth arguing is that we've got to do two things. We've got to make sure that laboratory work that involves potentially pandemic pathogens are done under the most importantly controlled conditions. And secondly, that we've got to make sure that we take a real good look at the animal-human interface and we look at the situations where there could be that jumping from species from an animal to a human. But Both of those things need research. to be controlled. That's on with Neil Cavuto. Here's one more taste. Both what about of those things need to be controlled. At all, especially if there's even the most remote possibility, we don't know definitively, yeah. that not doing it at all, just to, it's not worth the risk. What do you say? Well, take me out of the picture, Neil, and look at a, a whole array of virologists and scientists who do research that's absolutely critical for the health of the country. Some of that involves manipulating organisms. You want to call it gain of function. It really is not in many respects, but when it is, it needs to be very well regulated. If you shut off all gain of function research, did you get the flu shot this year, Neil? I if did. you did and you got it from an influenza vaccine, that was gain of function that made that influenza so you're not vaccine. That outright. So that's what there people don't understand. That, uh, uh, All right, once again, that is Dr. Anthony Fauci on the program hosted by Neil Cavuto. I've always liked Neil Cavuto. All right, let's go to Gordon G. Chang. We're ready here. Gordon, good morning. Thank you for being patient there. I, I appreciate it. Uh, welcome, and if you want to jump right in on the COVID origins topic, please do so. Yes, well, clearly it came from a Chinese lab. We have information about that, which is certainly the circumstantial information is clear. But, you know, Jimmy, the one thing we know 100% um, is that once this disease broke out into the Chinese population, that the Chinese rulers deliberately spread it beyond their borders. They lied about transmissibility for critical weeks in December 2019 and January 2020. And then in late January 2020, starting then, while they were locking down their own country, they were pressuring other countries to take arrivals from China without restrictions. You put those two things together, and the, it's clear that China um, is responsible for 6.8 million people who have died from this disease outside China. That's 100%. We know that 100%. So whether it started from a lab, which is fairly clear, like 95% clear, we know 100% that they spread it. So in that regard, why do you think the Biden administration would be unwilling to say whether or not they will sign a bill that I think was universally passed? Like, I've never seen something like this bipartisan in quite a long time by both the House and the Senate to declassify what we've got on the COVID origins. Um, the president wants to maintain lines of communication with China. And this is my guess, because he hasn't told me, of course. Um, but he, and he thinks that if he raises the issue, it will cause turbulence in the relationship. Remember, he's had five phone or video calls with Xi Jinping and one in-person meeting. 
the in-person meeting last November at the G20 in Indonesia. And not once did President Biden raise the issue of the origins of COVID-19. Now, this is a disease that has now killed, according to Johns Hopkins, 1,121,22,000 Americans. Um, so you'd think that he probably would want to know where it came from, especially because the circumstantial evidence is, as I said, clear that this is, came from um, the lab. Also, there is no evidence, zero evidence, that the zoonotic transfer. They have not been able to find the transmission links from a bat in southern China to an intermediary mammal to a human. And that is important because it's now three years. I mean, why, why have they not been able to find it? Um, and the reason is China has done um, all it can to prevent any investigation into the transmission links that supposedly occur. Why does it matter, Gordon G. Chang? And, and I'm glad to know that you don't have a direct line of communication with President Biden, because I thought you did. And it's very unfortunate to know that that's the case. But at least I know now that you don't have that direct line. Um, wh why do you think it's important that we get the true origins of COVID out there? And what do you make of Fauci's comments that I just played? The reason why we have to know, it's not a question of justice or retribution. It's a question of deterrence. Now, Xi Jinping knows that he has, without cost, killed almost 7 million people outside China. We know that his technicians are working on uh, what they call specific ethnic genetic attacks. In other words, attacks caused by pathogens that will leave the Chinese immune and kill everybody else, which means that the next disease from China could be a civilization killer, leaving China the world's only viable society. Um, and we need to deter him from doing that. With regard to Fauci's comments, um, he talked about how gain of function research must be done in the most controlled circumstances. Well, we go back to 2014 when President Obama imposed a moratorium on the funding, federal funding of gain of function research on American soil, which was a good thing to do. One of the few times that, you know, in history that anyone has decided not to do something. Um, and uh, what Fauci did was he then funded gain-of-function research in um, a Chinese biological weapons lab. We know that because despite Fauci's testimony in 2021 uh, before, the Senate, uh, before a Senate committee, that there are, um, he funded that. There are two scientific papers one from 2016, the other from 2017, from researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, clearly describing gain-of-function research. And both papers specifically acknowledge funding from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the institute at NIH that, fund, that Fauci uh, headed. So clearly Fauci uh, committed either perjury um, before the Senate twice in 2021, or he was so negligent not to have known what his yeah. institute was funding. Mm. Well, the truth will come out, and we will have a lot to say about it when that time comes, seemingly sooner than later, because this looks like something, if Biden were to veto it, the declassification of the COVID origins information 
that Congress would override that veto, and that wouldn't be very good for his public perception. Again, we are talking with Gordon G. Chang here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, This is what precipitated me reaching out to you, Gordon, yesterday to come on the program. I was very disturbed as somebody who followed very closely the great happenings under the Trump administration in the Middle East with the Abraham Accords, where you saw increasingly Gulf Arab countries bringing about ties with Israel, something very historic, clearly signed off by Saudi Arabia. They're not part of the Abraham Accords, but they had to. The way that things work in the Sunni Arab world, they had to basically give their okay, their little wink, you can go ahead and do this. Well, Biden came into office with a very different attitude, as summed up in a Wall Street Journal editorial overnight. Mr. Biden came into office promising to isolate the Saudis, especially the young reformist leader, Mohammed bin Salman. The U.S. cut off support for the Saudi-backed war against the Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen. It toyed with ending arms sales to the kingdom, and it sought to revive the Iranian nuclear deal the Saudis oppose as a threat to their security. Well, now, Gordon, since they're worried about U.S. support, who has come in to fill that void but China brokering a deal to restore relations between both Iran and Saudi Arabia. What do you make of this major development that seems to have taken the U.S. government by surprise? Jimmy, um, whatever one thinks of President Trump, his achievements in the Middle East with the Abraham Accords was historic. Absolutely. And one could say that President Trump's Middle East policy was the best since Franklin Roosevelt. Mm. Um, one could even go beyond that, but clearly, um, the since FDR, that's true. Now we have transitioned to what looks like is the worst Middle East policy under President Biden. Yeah. This is a catastrophic event similar to the catastrophic failure in Afghanistan um, and the debacle of our leaving there. And so we have made ourselves far less safe. And the only silver lining, Jimmy, is that um, Iran and Saudi Arabia probably cannot achieve enduring relations. The Iranians will probably do something which will lead the Saudis to break off diplomatic relations, especially because China right now is flooding the Middle East and especially the Persian Gulf with weapons through Iran. And those weapons are going to be used not only against the U.S. interests and Israeli interests, but also Saudi interests. But um, and this is something, by the way, the Biden administration, it's been interdicting weapons, but not really with um, the vigor necessary. So um, we have made the region far less safe for everybody, uh, except, of course, for China and Iran. Yeah, let's talk about the bigger picture here, because in in the Middle East, it's one thing, and it's very concerning to see the dynamics of the Trump policy, which I agree were historic, and I also have argued for years that it had justified former President Trump getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Of course, that was never going to happen, but it should have happened for his policies that brought about the Abraham Accords. But I want to ask you specifically about China's expansionist policies, because how they're throwing their weight around the world, money, weapons, other things, this is just one prominent example, but they are playing in Latin America and 
Asia, and Africa a heck of a lot now. Yes. Well, Mao Zedong, who founded the People's Republic of China in 1949, um, he started China's look-to-Africa policies. And and that has been continued uh, consistently um, from uh, leader to leader. And so, of course, there's been a lot of penetration of Africa by China. But what we are seeing, Latin America, in Latin America and the Caribbean, China is more influential than the United States. And here, this is a question of America's fault. We have opened the door to Chinese influence. Now, of course, in um, what we in, in Latin America right now, we have what's called the pink wave, uh, beginning in 2018 with the election of President Obrador in Mexico and continuing through the election of uh, Lula in Brazil uh, late last year. We have seen um, a conservative after conservative government fall, including a staunch American government in Colombia. Um, and there's like 11 more presidential elections this year and next year. So this is a region where we're going to find China right on our doorstep. And they are building the infrastructure for Chinese naval bases and army bases in our own region within, uh, one of them is within 100 miles of uh, uh, our shores. So really what we're talking about is China taking over the region. Once again, Gordon G. Chang joining us. We're getting low on time, and I have two more things I want to ask you, Gordon. Um, number one, uh, we've seen heightened rhetoric from Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, over the last week uh, that you know was very much war talk. What are we hearing from Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party lately? Uh, China's establishing a justification to strike America. Um, I mean, in the first instance, they're trying to intimidate us. But they are creating the conditions for history's next great war. This is um, this is coming to a head, and we could find ourselves in conflict mm. far sooner than even the pessimists think. Mm. That is not particularly encouraging, and uh, that's why I want to end on something a little bit peppier from a utopian society. One thing that oddly you don't have in your author bio on your website, Gordon. Chang.com, Gordon, is anything that says lifelong Trekkie, that you are a huge Star Trek fan, which I learned a few years ago, and we've had some fun with that. And, uh, well, William Shatner had some comments. I'm going to tee it up. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Seriously, brother, you got to put this at your website. Uh, I have a, a Trek fan myself, and... William Shatner is 91 years old now, and he's got a new documentary is about to release called You Can Call Me Bill. There was a deceptive headline. It concerned me for a second in foxnews.com. William Shatner says he doesn't have long to live while reflecting on legacy. Well, he's pointed out that whether I 
keel over as I'm speaking to you or 10 years from now, my time is limited. So that's very much a factor. I've got grandchildren. This documentary is a way of reaching out after I die. I've turned down a lot of offers to do documentaries before, but I don't have long to live. And he also went on to talk about why he was not at Leonard Nimoy's funeral when he died a few years ago. Of course, Leonard Nimoy played uh, Commander Spock, the science officer, and Shatner played Captain Kirk. And he explained that his death was sudden and he had an obligation at a Red Cross fundraiser to raise a lot of money. Uh, He's 91 years old. What do you make of the life and legacy of... A William Shatner as he gets ready to release a documentary about his life. He's changed the lives of so many people. And I think that through these examples of leadership, Americans and others have learned how we should conduct ourselves. And we don't talk about that. We talk about the entertainment value. But you go back through Star Trek episodes and you see all the geopolitical issues that uh, we face now. Um, You know, this is the Federation um, meeting civilizations, some of them friendly, some of them not so friendly. And through the Star Trek series, we've learned a lot. Um, And we've learned a lot from not just the series with Shatner, but also the ones later on when we're talking about the Borg and others. This is absolutely fascinating stuff. And we Americans can learn a lot just from watching Star Trek. We are the Chinese Communist Party. You will be assimilated. That kind of sounds like something they might say, doesn't it? Uh, yes, well, that's exactly what well, we will assimilate or we will kill you. But um, yes, that's uh, that's the message. The Chinese are the Borg. I think you need more opportunities to talk a little bit about Star Trek and its application to real life. Gordon G. Chang, really appreciate you joining us, my friend. As always, follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Have a great rest of your weekend. Yes, Jimmy, and go boldly. Go boldly indeed. Once again, Gordon G. Chang joining us here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We're going to take a break, and we will be back on the other side. Did you know that he was a big Star Trek fan? Of course not, but now you do because of this program. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. Coming back on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. We went long with Gordon G. Chang. Joe in Arvada has been patiently waiting. Let's get him in before the top of the hour. Good morning, Joe. How the heck are you? Good morning, Jimmy. I uh, was a Star Trek fan as a kid, of course. Uh, The prime directive comes to mind here. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has been touting America's prime directive stay out of foreign conflicts as much as possible. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.